Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey, friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. We're a handful of players through the 50 most relevant now into the mid-40s at number 45. It's new... Carlton recruit via the free agency maneuvering that is George Hewitt looking forward to talking about George on this episode Uh, back for his first time in 2022 though one of the original members of the coaches panel I got Jimmy on hello mate how are you hello MJ hello listeners it's good to be back it's good to have you back we're talking about George Hewitt on this episode of the 50 most relevant of course our Patreons They've already known about this for 24 hours. If you join our premium or breakout tier Patreon level, you get these podcasts. Well, 24 hours early. Someone that's done that just in the past couple of days is Daniel Cranage. Daniel, thank you for jumping in at that premium tier. We appreciate you and your support. If you want to shout out like that on the podcast as well, all you got to do, jump into that top tier of our Patreon level support like good old mate Daniel has done. And you will get that and every single other award we have available to you. All right, let's jump into George Hewitt, 26 years old. As I said, brand new Carlton recruit and does have defensive eligibility. That is arguably, in fact, it is the primary reason we're talking about him. He's a defender and a midfielder, so holds that DPP. His top score last year was a 134 in Supercoach against the Giants, but in another game, and in fact, it wasn't even in the proper AFL season, but we'll talk about it just because we're trying to look at the positives of George Hewitt. It was a 106 in that elimination final against the Giants for AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Neither, though, are his top scores of his career. It was 113 against Melbourne back in 2017 for AFL Fantasy. While he does have a 154 ceiling against the Lions for Supercoach back in 2019. His average from last year was a 63.9 in AFL Fantasy and a 73.3 for Supercoach. In that format, priced at 399000 537000 in AFL Fantasy and 543300 in Dream Team. And Jimmy, for some, when we look at George Hill and we bring up his name, they go, oh, why is he in the 50 most relevant players? But but I think it goes to the point of what the 50 most relevant is about, isn't it, Jimmy? It's not just, oh, we're talking about the premiums and the top guys. It's about people that we forecast a role, that play in a potential position, that have a certain positional status, the price that we're playing at and what we have to expect from that, what they've done in their history. And we put these elements together. And while he may not be the best of the best of the best, if the parallels in the world and the universe line up, Hewitt could be a highly relevant player for us this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's it's it's not called MJ's top 50 players of 2022. It's the the 50 most relevant. We're looking at those guys that um, if you have got them can make your season. Um, and and if you don't, you'll um you, you may be wondering if maybe you should have. And yeah, Hewitt's a really interesting one. I, I will admit it caught me a little by surprise when you messaged me yesterday and said, hey, Jimmy, what do you think about this? Um, um, but sitting back and having a, a bit of a ponder over the last 24 hours, I can I can certainly see a case where he could be very, very relevant um, across the formats in some more than others um, yep. over the next 12 months, for sure. 
Um, you know, you talk about um, forecasting. I remember, and and some of those higher scores you mentioned from mm. from three years ago. Um, there was a time where, in in some circles, we were sort of comparing him to a young JPK almost. And so, yeah, it's true. If, I don't know if that's exactly the role that um, he'll be taking up this year, but um, he's he's got maybe something that's worth having a, a bit of a thought about rather than just an instant nah, piss off. Yeah, no, it, look, it was a pretty challenging year for George and for most of the Australian society in, in varying yeah, parts. He was not alone in that. He kind of found himself in and out of favour of the side. And despite him playing 20 games, he, he did get that role changed a lot. At, at his best, um, George Hewitt is really capable of winning the footy at stoppage and also negating opposing teams' top midfielders. But last year, he floated in between a couple of roles through that midfield at Sydney that really was developing with Callum Mills starting to be the lead JPK second, similarly Parker taking less of a progressive and dominant role. And, and then he also found himself using some of that defense, defensive focus on the opposing damaging forwards. And so really did have that interesting year from a fantasy perspective. We've already alluded to the one ton he got in AFL fantasy, which wasn't even in the fantasy season proper, but he delivered it. But over the course of a proper fantasy season, he did deliver seven scores of 80 plus, including four over 90. While in Supercoach, four tons last year, it did include a 134 and four additional scores of 80 or above. So, yep, it's not outstanding in isolation. But when you look into the data of what he did and what he's done over his career, there are some promising signs. So, for example, let's look into last year a little more. Ten times last year, Hewitt had 20 possession or more games. Now, the vast majority of these were when he played as a midfielder. In these 10 games, he averaged 81.3 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and 90.8 in Supercoach. That's approximately 17, 18 points per game of value on what he's priced at, to go one step further, I suppose. And again, yes, we're really stringing out the numbers to find some value here. But if you go one step further and you look at that 81 average in Dream Team and Fantasy and and 90.8 in Supercoach, of these games when he had 20 possessions or more, that would base him right now at the 26th best defender in AFL Fantasy and Supercoach. So yeah, Jimmy, we are kind of, picking the numbers we want here but rather i suppose it's to highlight the point of there is a world where hewitt can do more than enough for you to be a valuable stepping stone in 2022 that's it and i think that's the key part of this is that we're looking at him at this stage as a stepping stone he's you're not necessarily picking him expecting him to be a top five defender for the year Mm. um I don't think that's a, a realistic expectation, regardless of who's lost defensive status. But when we look at the other available defenders that we can choose um, at the top end and at around his price, I think he becomes relevant in that conversation. Um, and when we talk about, um, you, you mentioned before, about that midfield that he's had to battle his way in and out of at Sydney, where mm. he's up against bigger bodies like Parker and Kennedy, um, Mills when he goes through the midfield and, and quite a number of others, when we look at his new home now in terms of bigger bodies to compete for that spot against the Carlton, the, the list is maybe a little thinner than it was before. So if that's the role that's earmarked for him, um, and it is a big if, we don't really know yeah. how Carlton they're going to line up this year. I'd be very interested to see some of their preseason games, uh, which is not a sentence I would have said often before. Um, they, um, 
yeah, it will be yeah very interesting to see how he's being used and, yeah. and what might then be able to extrapolate as a possibility for the year ahead. Yeah, I think so. Look, this 2021 isn't, you know, like I said, it's picking some eyes out of some scoring, but it is reflective a little bit of what he did in 2019. He averaged 88 in Supercoach that year, six tons, seven additional scores over 80, while in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, he averaged 75, three tons and six additional scores over 80. So again, amazing, certainly not amazing. But in terms of actual scoring abilities, there's enough here. And, and to that point that you mentioned about him being how he fits into this Carlton midfield, like let, let's look at that and maybe start turning towards where he actually is. Yes, there's been a big inclusion in Adam Chera, and that's a really important one for them. But they've really, outside of the dominance of Sam Walsh and of Patrick Cripps, that midfield has fallen away fairly big like they've tried Matt Kennedy they've they've tried Will Setterfield they, they've even tried a, a, a Zach Williams none of them have really paid off but but I think Hewitt's the master stroke for them and there's one simple reason for that and that is because I think he plays a key defensive role for them because what I mean by that is they've really lacked Jimmy someone that can play some accountable footy and whether it be in their system or in their structure, you don't want Chera doing that. You certainly don't want Cripps doing that. And while Walsh, Walsh can do that, that's really what they've lacked, isn't it? Probably for the better part of maybe two years, uh, if not more, Jimmy, is someone in that unit to play that accountable footy, to free up these superstar midfielders so that they're not a liability and caught out. You don't want three guns all going for the ball and not minding the man. You need someone with some defensive mindset. And that's what Hewitt brings to this structure, if he is to play through the midfield. Oh, absolutely. And and uh, you mentioned two names there in Kennedy and Satterfield who were earmarked for that kind of thing that, um, look, they've shown signs at times, but yeah. I guess been, certainly haven't reached um, the expectation they had coming in. Um, it's going to be, um, you know, Voss coming in now with a, a chance to have another go at stamping himself on the team and, and mm. the way that he wants it to look and the way he wants them to play. It's going to be really fascinating to see the types of players he puts into the, the roles that, um, that are going to be available there. Um, and at this point, I honestly couldn't predict what that's going to look like. Um, yeah. Now, I don't know if, if Hewitt is coming in as that first, um, you know, battering ram to protect the bigger, you know, the, or, the, or the better players around him, or whether he's going to be languishing in the VFL for 12 months. You know, he could be either of the two, and it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, you know, he, he might end up in that defensive, you know, that backline position. Maybe that's what they saw him do at Sydney and thought, well, we need some of that here too. Yeah. Um, it, it could be any of these things, but I think the key part that we're looking at is that at his price, that risk is fairly minimal to us at this point, that we can pick him with that, possibility that the upside in theory is there mm, yes um and and if it works you you look like a freaking genius um if it doesn't <laughs> you know same every year you know come around you know the end of round two um or one if he's that bad um you you can always switch down to the rookie that you missed or to the you know the other mid pricer that's taken off um yeah. you know, burn a trade so to speak that way and and you know carry on from there but the the thing at his price, you're going to have options for that trade. Um, but if it works, yeah, all the better. 
Yeah, look, I, I think that's good. For, for me, there's, there's a couple of things that's really intriguing about Hewitt and also some things surrounding him is a, a couple of years ago, between 2016 and 2019, Ed Kernow at Carlton played this defensive-minded midfield role. Um, for those that have played fantasy footy for longer than the past four or five years, Kane Corns did something similar, whereby they kind of averaged between 85 to 100 most weeks in scoring, never really had monster ceiling games, but 85 to 105 most weeks would play defensive focus footy, but not at the cost of winning the ball, unlike others that go full tagger, like a Matt DeBoer type or a Ryan Crowley before him type. If he is, Hewitt that is, to play that Ed Kerno style of role, then there's scoring potential there. Ed Kerno between 2016 and 2019. I know they're different footballers. I know it's different coaches, even a different era. But for sake of contrast, he averaged 102, 88, 189 in AFL fantasy those four years, and also 101, 86, 102, and 92 in Supercoach. So, so that's pushing a world where he could go 10-2 if he is to shadow that Kerno potential. Now, not saying he will, but that's the type of role I think he is best suited to and that Carlton need more so than another defender. So I think that's a potential world for him. The other one um, is I think the back line's the place in 2022. You can take some serious risks. Like we've got some really clear air apparent top premium forwards, top premium midfielders and some really strong rucks. But, but as, let's look at the, the, the backline premiums for a second. Can you really start players like Crisp, Rich and Stewart who are arguably maxed out in price? Does that North Melbourne game style that was so heavy ball retention to stop the scoring bleeding, does that game style stay and enable Hall and Zebel to dominate the touches of the footy? Does this mythical Jaden short boost come with the absence of Bashahooli? Statistically, I'm not so certain it does. Will we ever get a full season again from a Shannon Hearn or a Lockie Whitfield? Are the evergreen and ever-consistent Salem and Dawson actually going to score enough to hold top tens, or are they just good but not great options? So all of a sudden, you can create this conversation for us, I suppose, Jimmy, where we look at the variables around him. We, we look at those that are priced around him, like a Sicily who's coming off an ACL and go, look, for 20000 give or take either side, I can actually get a guy that's not coming off an injury or a Wayne Miller who seems to always break himself down, albeit there's a couple of hundred thousand difference across some of the formats. Um, but the world and the conversation can turn quickly to Hewitt and go, you let me have a look at the top 10 potential guys. You give me a viable stepping stone, or if it goes pear-shaped, I can move to the one that is flying. All of a sudden, the narrative can line up that George Hewitt is a really valuable option for you to consider in your starting squad. Yeah, and I mean, we we tend to pick, you know, unless you're diehard guns and rookies, we tend to pick at least a couple of those type of players mm. in your list every year. So that um, that particular role in in your side for, for you, whatever format you're playing is likely to be there anyway. It's just deciding whether or not Hewitt is the one for that space um, or whether there's a better option available to you. Um, I just think he needs to be part of that conversation. Yeah, I, I think that's really, um, really, really good shout and really, really good, um, you know, fair analysis. Look, in reality, there, there is a risk 
um, based on role and, and structure and function, but that's what the preseason does. It gives you an opportunity to look and to investigate on those things. Um, in, in reality, I really like what he could be, but we need to watch that preseason function role to see if he's actually playing that midfielder function through there for us. Because if he is, happy, happy days. If he's not, awesome. Then you need to look at and veer somewhere else for, for another considerable option to kind of look at. Um, but for me, he's right in the mix as a starting squad option across the formats for me. And I really, really like the potential upside here in him. But drafts, Jimmy, before we wrap up this episode, that's something that I know is your sweet spot and something that really interests me about where he goes and what people do with him on draft day. What are the kind of the draft ranges of where you think George Hewitt could go in a draft? Look, he's not going in the first few rounds. I think no, we can not. all comfortably agree on that. It's He's the sort of player, though, that there's there's this type of coach in, in every league and often a few, and I'm probably one of them, if I'm <laughs> honest, where I will look at a guy like Hewitt and go, you know what, I'm going to draft him ahead of the guys who are averaged a little bit above him mm. that are always just that, you know, same sort of range. You know, I don't, I hate drafting defenders that, score around that 70, 75 point mark year on year. Yeah. Uh, I'd much rather pick the guy that's a little bit below them uh, for whatever reason that has that, ooh, maybe Upside. that's yeah. it. Um, you know, high risk, high reward, particularly after your first, you know, if you lock down one or two decent ones ahead of him, um, I'm quite happy to have, you know, five defenders on my list from D, you know, D3 down that are all in that sort of a bracket. And if a couple of them don't work, I'll churn through the waivers. But um, I'm not going to, yeah, I hate that old reliable um, yeah. Mr. 75 and nothing That's more. It. Yeah, yeah not nah, boring. Um, take a punt on someone like Hewitt. Um, yeah, quite happily. Um, I'd rather flesh out a fair part in the midfield first. So I'm usually yep. digging punt for these guys in the back half of a draft rather than the first half. But um, when the time comes that you need to fill those last few spots, he's certainly a guy I'd be looking at there. Yeah, look, you're right. I think there is going to be a world where someone, whether it be a bullish Carlton fan or if Hewitt gets significant salary cap hype over the next couple of weeks before your draft commences, that there could be a world um, where people jump as early as a D3 on him um, oh, because they think he's a top 30 pick. Yeah. yeah. And in, in terms of defenders. Pre-season matches um, and in yeah. one of those games, he just goes ham and accumulates like uh, there's no tomorrow and he's doing a Tom Rocklift impersonation. Then yeah. Um, yeah, who, who played under Voss, we might remind you. Um, yes. Then, you know, there's there, he will go a lot earlier than he should in that sort of a scenario. Um, yeah. But he could also quite easily go under the radar and be a very astute pickup as a, uh, a bench pickup at the range. Yeah. At the later end, yeah. So um, he, he's one that I would have on my list of draftable players, so to speak. Come yeah, up. definitely. There, there's a world where he pushes you know, into the top 30, maybe even top 20 of defenders based on averages by the end of the year. Gosh, maybe a little more if, if we do get lucky. And then there's also where he, he struggles to fit into the top 50. Um, equally are as viable as each other. It all depends on that role, how much of that opportunity he has to win the ball through Walsh, Chera and Cripps as certainly the predominant three they want hands on the footy. But if he can have a um, a split-focused role through that midfield while certainly still keeping defensive pressure as the number one priority, then I think there's a world where things can go really well for us. But that's what that preseason watch list is, is for us. They're both in drafts and across salary cap formats. Hey, Jimmy, appreciate your work today as we've talked about George Hewitt. 
Yeah, no worries, mate. Anytime. Happy to help. Oh, I appreciate your work. If you want to go and check out the article, it is online for you now at coachespanel.tv. While you're there, all the other players we have revealed so far, you can go in and read about them and all the links for how you can join our Patreon supporter group. If you're loving what you're getting out of the podcast and the articles this preseason, maybe you want a few exclusive accesses, then maybe you can go and check that out too. Um, all of those things, all of those links are at coachespanel.tv. And if you're loving the podcast, whether it be getting it via Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave a five-star rating and review. It helps others uh, find the Coaches Panel and know what you know about the 50 most relevant in 2022. All right, tomorrow we continue on in our journey. Number 44 in the 50 most relevant. And I'm a high handful of days into this, Jimmy, and I'm already struggling to give away good clues for who might be next. So, Here's the clue. Patreons, you already know who this person is, but let me give you the clue anyway. Here it is. I've already said this person's name on this podcast. It's not, it's not George Hewitt, but I, the person who's in at number 44, we said his name at some point in the podcast. So go back, listen to it, write down all the names we said. We said over 25 different player names, I think, in this podcast. So I'll They're, give you another clue. It's not me. <laughs> Not Basha Hawley. He was one of the names we said. He was one of the names. You mentioned my name. It's not me. I'll give you that one. Free. Right. Not Jimmy. It's not Basha Hawley. So there's two you can scrub off the list. There's around about 20 odd others, I think, that we mentioned. Who are they? You can find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant.